Peak Performance Plus presents the Summit Club Podcast, your business roundtable discussion for sales and business leaders with your host, Bill Stats. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode six. Not that the number means that much, but at least you can keep track of which session you're listening to. You don't have to listen to one to five. Just listen when you can. Today's topic, I'm here with the team, John, Rick, and JT, and we're all prepared to talk about where are you this year? Third quarter's a few days from being up. You're going to go into the fourth quarter, and the goal really is to give you some guidance, information, tips, tricks to help you finish strong. What does finish strong look like? I don't know that it'll be the best year that you've ever had, but all of us here hope that it is. Doing your best, it looks different for different people. But for us today, we're going to kind of take an inventory and help you see where you are, where you want to be, and what you need to do to get there. Uh, A final thought, and then I'll turn it over to the Summit Club team. Dartnell did a study about 12 years ago. They're a research firm and they surveyed over 500 sales leaders. And the question was, what are the top selling skills for top performers now in sales? And lots of people were surprised that the number one ranked selling skill for top sales performers is planning and preparation. Number two selling skill, approach and involvement. And for us, that means relationship building. Number three, needs assessment. And number four, believe it or not, time management. The rest really didn't make a difference, and presentation skills was like number eight. So today we're talking about planning and preparation and how to make sure you step into the fourth quarter with everything going for you to finish strong. What do you think, folks? So if, if the first question is, uh, where are you sales-wise uh, year-to-date, uh, and where do salespeople get this information? Uh, most good salespeople know where they are in terms of their own list of accounts. But I find very often in terms of the bigger picture, where are they in terms of the company goals uh, and uh, those objectives, uh, it, it's a mixed bag. Some companies are really good about sharing that information with their salespeople, letting them know where they are and where they want them to be. And, and some companies I found, uh, I'm not really sure why, just don't like to share that information. I remember uh, a long time ago when I first started out in sales, I was uh, walking down the hallway really happy because I had made my, my number for the month. And I said something to the, uh, the general manager of the organization and he almost ripped my head off. And I didn't know why, and I asked somebody later, and I found out we weren't anywhere close to making our, our budget for the, for, the, uh, for the company for that, that quarter. I, I had made mine, but, but I guess a lot of other people didn't. And I thought, boy, it would be nice to have that information so I know where, where we stand and where I fit into that. So some people share it readily, which I think is the right thing, and some people are not quite so forthcoming. Well, you know, it makes a lot of sense. I know team building and, and, and team is going to be one of our future podcasts here, but when you represent, when you know what your number is and you're pleased with your number, yet the team isn't doing well, but you don't know that and you're happy for yourself, it looks like you're a, you know, a selfish player. But how could you be judged any other way if you don't know how the team overall is performing? So information, sharing information, knowing where you're at, knowing where the group is at, knowing where the company is at against their objective is critical. Yeah, I never had the opportunity of asking managers who did not share that information 
why they why they didn't do it. But uh, it would be an interesting uh, a little study to try to figure out what what value they have in keeping that that secret. You know, it's the old what need to know basis. Well, most salespeople need to know where they are and where their company is. Well, if if you're a salesperson and you're doing everything that you can, but you don't get any of that information from your your superiors or from the company in general, what are you supposed to do? How are you supposed to manage yourself so you don't get your head ripped off? Like how how do you make that work? Rick Rick is going to be doing a program on on high performing teams, and in my experience, it's not the best answer to the question you're raising, but in some cases the team has to develop those relationships where they're going to share their information from where they all are. I don't want to make it sound like a mutiny, but sometimes where the company fails, top performing team can try to make up that deficiency by, you know what, nobody said we can't have our own meeting, I'll meet you down at Starbucks or whatever, and let's just talk about where the heck we are, you know. I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, one thing that Rick exemplified with his example is your top performing salespeople, they know where they're at. You know, they don't need a report to come from corporate or from their sales manager. They know exactly where they're at. And that's why they generally perform at a higher level. They know when they have to change their methods, increase their frequency or, you know, whatever tool they feel they need to build their business, they're going to pull out of their toolbox because they're evaluating themselves against their goals. But that's their goals. Correct. So what if you have a situation, like Rick had said, where new to a job itself, or maybe uh, listeners, you know, you're, you're new to the company and you don't know uh, the lay of the land yet. But how do you get around that situation that Rick found himself in? Unless, Bill, as you're just saying, it's just team building in general, where, you know, Rick was killing it on his side and then went to share with the team, hey, I'm killing it, and then finds out the company in the, exactly. the whole is a Titanic, and he's the yeah. guy that's having some wine well, while it's happening. And you know what's funny? Uh, we run into this many times, where whether it's official or unofficial. You have new people coming into an organization, and there is no mentor. There's nobody close. So that Rick could have said, if John was his mentor, uh, Hey, you know, I'm pretty excited about what I'm doing. How's the rest of the team doing? Or the mentor is saying, look, just so you know, we're behind. We're 12 down. I know you feel good, but you might want to keep it under your head right now. Okay. Yeah. I, I think that's a good point. I mean, I think lots of times you just have to ask. Now, if you're, if you're dealing with a manager that, does, for whatever reason, doesn't want to share that, well, you'll know that. Sometimes managers just assume that you have access to that information. Now, I don't have how you have access if they're not going to tell you, but you know maybe just they think that's available to, uh, to 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 the wider group. I guess what we're really saying is, top salespeople know it's their responsibility to know where they are, whatever it takes, and they will tend to put dimension around that information where they know what's appropriate to say and what's not appropriate to say and they're smart enough to ask a question if they're not sure uh, whether to say something or not. I think at this point then if, if we're stepping off of, if there's a footnote here that listeners should be making, making a note or at least trying to remember, know your numbers. If you're going to finish strong you better know your numbers and it's not a one-shot deal. The second area, I guess, to support Finish Strong is 
What was your goal for 2019? Where did it come from? And is it what many people refer to as a SMART goal? And SMART is an acronym that stands for Specific, Measurable, Attainable, Realistic, and Time-bound. If you looked at your goal for 2019 and you took that goal, overlaid on it, how specific was it? Is it something that you can measure on a regular basis? Is it attainable? Has anybody ever done it before? Is it realistic? And what's the timelines involved? Where are the lines in the sand that you're committing to to get to certain uh, sub-goals or objectives in your bigger 2019 plan? And does it still ring true today, September 13th, Friday? Which is a little scary when it comes out of my mouth, but is it still true? What do you think, Rick? Well, I, I think, uh, you know, I, I'm aware certainly of a lot of companies that use SMART. Um, but I, I, again, I would say in my experience, uh, maybe the majority do not. They use some of the elements. Most goals or budgets, if you will, for, you know, uh, for the year are specific. They're all measurable and they're all time bound. This is what you have to do in the course of the year. Uh, I found some not particularly attainable and not particularly realistic. A lot of companies uh, ha ha have the belief that, okay, we're going to set our goals way, way up here. And we know people probably aren't going to attain them, but we're going to push them every single day to get as close as they can. And the belief is by managing people that way, they're going to get closer to it than if you actually uh, set attainable goals. Uh, Bill and I worked for, for a company a number of years ago. We had a meeting with the, uh, the chairman which was during a budget review. It was the first time we ever did it, and I was the sales manager there. And we'd gotten through all the expense side of the budget, uh, and uh, he looked at me, and he said to me, um, regarding the sales budget, I said, yes, sir. He said, uh, I'm okay with it. And I said, okay. He said, all right, I'd like you to sign a piece of paper that says that uh, you're going to make that budget this year, and if you don't, you're not going to be working here next year. No I'm thinking, Mike no and I looked at each other like, whoa. whoa, why is he talking to me and not the general manager? And I said to him, because I thought, well, I'm going to get fired anyway. Well, sir, you know, actually, I would rather not sign a document. He said, okay, then this is what we're going to do. He said, you take, it was a Friday or something like that. You take the weekend. I want you to call me Monday because I want to make sure that's a real number. And I want to make sure it's not a number the general manager shoved down your throat, which I thought was really a smart way of doing it because he wanted a number that he, that I felt good about so he could feel good about it because we're just one entity of a pretty big company and if everybody was putting numbers out there that aren't attainable and he buys them it sort of puts him in a different position and this was a company that had 12 NBC affiliated TV stations yeah. and about 15 radio stations mm -hmm. so and he went on to become governor of Rhode Island so he wasn't an empty chair no he wasn't you know, Rick, it's very interesting. In, in, in my experience, you know, everybody knows we have to have a goal. The origin of the goal and uncovering the origin of the goal is critical. Mm -hmm. uh, a very, very smart sales manager that uh, I had the privilege of, of uh, working with a number of years ago uh, asked his group to put together their, their own goals. He had his goals that he had put down, 
And when he walked into the room, reviewed the prior year's sales with each of the salespeople, and then said, what is your goal for this year? And that provided several interesting answers. You know, A, what critical information could they provide about their territory or area that might affect sales that he may not know? Two, how motivated are they? How, what goal, what do they, what do they challenge themselves to do? And then look at their number versus his number and find out if they're, if they're all linked and figure out what he has to do to link those numbers to achieve the results. So the origin of the, of the goal of the target is as important as the target itself. Right. And by the way, that, that's a really, really smart practice. I mean, the first time he asked salespeople to do that, if they've never done it before, uh, they almost always say, well, how do I know what I'm going to build next year? And then when you say to them, well, look, uh, there's 12 of you. So if all 12 of you don't know what you're going to do next year, and I'm charged with giving corporate a number, how would I know? So I think starting with the salespeople providing numbers, it tells you a lot about them and how they think and how uh, motivated they are. Uh, and I think at the end of the day, you're going to get a much better number than if you just sit in your office and go, okay, this is what I'm going to put down, and I'll, I'll tell them later. Well, how often are these goals set? I'm not from a sales background. I know obviously many of you are in the room, but is it something where it's established quarterly, monthly? I mean, does right. that affect anything? Is it a good or bad yeah. practice well, to you, do? You do. I mean, uh, most companies I work with have had annual budgets, so you, you you do a budget for the course of the year. And then you know whether it's quarterly or monthly. I mean, uh, you forecast how you're doing towards that number. You know, so in, in in my business, we used to forecast quarterly, monthly, and weekly. Just so we have the best idea how we are, you know, how we're doing in terms of the, the budgetary goal. And every every business has different milestones. It would be great if we could take the year and divide it by twelve and look at that number. But you know, manufacturing businesses, you may be out six months before you can deliver the product. Other products have a more immediate uh, result, car sales, something like that. So you have to understand the 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 cadence of the industry understand how you set up your performance reviews against the goal. Because they might have a longer sales cycle exactly. and it's hard to calculate that. Exactly. Yeah. For a manufacturing business with a six month uh, turnaround, you know, if you want to get your number in by the end of the year, you have to have it in in April or May. So, you know, understanding the cadence of the business is, is just as important as understanding the size of the goal. And sometimes just think about the economic unpredictability. Um, you know, I have clients in uh, building materials and whatever. I mean, you're talking about a construction project in Manhattan that's not going to happen for two and a half years. So you're selling a project that God knows what the economy and everything else is going to look like when it comes time. PO's put in, but it's not released to the plant yet. There's just a lot of variables. And it's not to say, oh, it's hopeless. It's like, it's a con it's a continuing process. It's uh, an educated process. And just listening to what you guys are, are sharing right now for Rick, Rick's going to do a program on forecasting because it's not often real easy. And, you know, it'll, it'll be another underpinning to help not just fourth quarter, but salespeople that want to be professional, they want to be at the top of their game, 
and sometimes they just don't know. So our job is to help people know what they don't know. And the other piece for goals is, and we've all been in situations with whether it's salespeople, project management, program managers, if you have objectives and you never reach them, it not only demoralizes you, you you kind of give up. You just go through the motions. It's like, you know what? If you're running and in the day, Rick and I both ran. I mean, it's like you don't go out in the morning and run till you fall over. You have some route that you run or a finish line or when you go to the health club and you're doing reps on a, on a machine, or you have some goal in mind. It, 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 otherwise, you're going to stop running. I mean, it's just not, you need the satisfaction of hitting and accomplishing what you set out to do. And a lot of times, management isn't quite attuned to your setting goals or giving goals to salespeople. It's terrific. It's a stretch goal. Well, how do you think they're going to feel time after time when they're never hitting their goal? Right. By the way, when I, when I first started running, if somebody had said to me, well, the only way this is going to be good for you, if you're running four-minute miles, I would have never ran. <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which of you has anything to add in that whole section of how you're setting goals and are you getting the input that you need to keep them current? If you need to roll back your goal because of internal forces where maybe you just didn't do the best effort or maybe something external happened where the economy, something happened, you know, God knows what, but that's affecting you and your ability to sail. Like something was sold and it's going to affect your territory. If you have to roll back your sales goals, how do you, to your point, Bill, you know, you demoralized and all that. How do you bring that up to your, your manager or the rest of your team that because of X, Y, and Z, I just don't know if it's going to happen. Do, am I going to get fired over that? Or does it mean something's wrong in general? You guys chime in. I, what is ringing in my head when you say that is almost everything we do in life is a test. The situation you described where <laughs> I'm not going to hit my goal and how, should I say something or not. If you're working for a company that doesn't want you to be truthful and honest, get your resume out there. I mean, to me, I think it's a test of the organization that you're part of. If you have a problem, you have a challenge, you have an obstacle, and you can't share it because you're afraid of the consequences, it's probably not a good place for it. Am I wrong? No, no you're absolutely not wrong. Yeah, and if, look, if, it's, if they're gonna fire a salesperson for not making their goals, whether they're attainable or not, there's nothing you're gonna be able to do about it. So yeah, you might as well be you know honest and forthcoming. And as Bill said, <clears throat> you're, I mean, most good managers know if somebody's not making their goals and they have a conversation with them and as hard as it is sometimes because of the circumstances um, it doesn't mean they were doing a bad job if they're not make, making their goals maybe no one else is making their goals either um, so um, yeah I think Bill's right if, if that were the case you don't be working with them anyway well it's it's one of the critical things that, that has to do in this program with the smart program is going to be you know, looking at the measurables and setting specific times to review performance against the plan. I mean, if you have a goal and you don't have a timeline to review that performance, you know, you don't want to find this out at the finish line that you're not going to make it. And that one of the most critical things when it comes to 
understanding where you're at against the goal, not only of the person, but of the entire department. This affects other departments. What's production doing? If they're producing to a plan that you're not going to achieve, you're going to have a lot of extra inventory at the end of the year. You know, <laughs> right. Are you advertising to promote sales that aren't going to be out in the field? There's so many parts that interact here that, that drive not only the, the sales department, but the entire company. So systematic review against goals is, is critical. Yeah. So let's kind of go to the next section uh, and, and take the basis that we've laid down as far as knowing your numbers and then what's the quality and is it specifically defined that your goals are clear and in some cases adjustable, uh, flexible, and realistic. The next element would be, well, how, how are you going to get that done? What, what kind of activity do you need to support getting to that goal? And to me, it's all about, is it really doable? And in my experience, what, what I call cookbook is really a recipe for connecting your behavior to the goal that you want to achieve. And, and an example would just look like, how many appointments do you need in a week to have enough opportunity to close business to hit your goal? And some people look at that and they, it's like, I don't want to balance my checkbook because I don't want to know I don't have any money. It's like you do a cookbook and you look at your average sale and your closing percentage and just take a look at history. And then uh, once you get that down, say, okay, what, what do I need to achieve in the fourth quarter? I can't do it. I can't run 15 appointments a week so I can get four people interested and maybe get one of them to close. The numbers don't compute. Again, we're in a situation kind of, John, you mentioned, you know, if you're going to have to adjust your goals, are you going to get fired? It tells you something about the organization, and you are the first organization you have to master. And if you can't take the reality of not being able to hit the goal with what you're doing now, when do you want to know now, or do you want to know after the after the year's done and you, you didn't hit it? So, to me, you got to know your numbers. You got to look at your calendars, your computer outlook, uh, and you got to see what have I been doing, and how much can I do. And what do I need to do? What do you guys think? Yeah, that, I mean, to me, that makes perfect sense. I mean, just don't kid yourself into thinking you're going to make your goal because you want to make your goal. If that's the only way you're approaching your book, book of business, you're probably not going to make your goal. You, you need to do these things. And these things, you know, it may sound for the, the folks that are listening that, boy, this is a lot of work and it's really not predictable. And I'm doing the best I can, so I'm just going to keep doing the best I can. And whatever I do is the best I can. Uh, that's really not the way to approach this. You, you really need, need to do the things that we're talking about today, I think, to be really, really successful um, in, in whatever business you happen to be in at the time. You know, it's, it, this is an opportunity when you look at where you're at and where you need to, to get to, to really determine what, which of your skills you have to put to work. Uh, if, you, if you need to increase your prospecting, that's that's one method. Maybe you have to work on your current relationships, dig deeper with your current accounts. Uh, maybe you need to plan better. Maybe you need to walk into these meetings with a little bit different plan. 
Maybe you need to bring your sales manager or a marketing executive to round out the presentation and maybe give them a different voice. But you, you have to take a positive action with within the tools that you have available to you to achieve your goal. Yeah, I mean, bring your sales manager. If you don't get the sale, you can blame it on him or her. It's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like you've been in that seat, right? Yeah, just a couple times. <laughs> so now, you know, we're at a point where know your numbers, whatever it takes. Uh, make sure that there's quality and specifics in the goals that you set and really take a look at what are the behaviors that you need to focus on to uh, generate the activity that's necessary to support those goals. And to John's point, some of it's organic. Some of it, you, you, you have business that could be on the table and you're not paying enough attention to that customer to identify it or you are not close enough to the right people in the organization to even know that that opportunity exists. So. You really have to examine your behavior. And, and the next piece, I think that all of us, it's fairly obvious to us anyway, why are you doing this? I mean, how, how much passion is in what you're doing? And believe, it's all about belief and conviction. And what do you believe in? And what's a driver? I mean, when you get up in the morning and you put your feet on the floor, what, what's moving you forward? Yeah, I mean, I guess, you, the, you know, a lot of people are motivated by, you know, particularly if you're a sales guy, you know what, I want a nicer car, I want a bigger house, I want to take more vacations, uh, and I, I think that, that that's a great motivator, but I, I would suggest you, you, there's got to be something inside of you along with that. Uh, sales, is, sales is tough. You know, you talk to people who don't do it, they see salespeople out all day, and they think they're just gallivanting around shopping and doing whatever they want to do, and they're making all this money. And on an hourly basis, uh, they're probably some of the highest paid people in most organizations, you know. And when I talk to people like that, um, who complain about salespeople, I say, well, you know what, um, I'll, give you a, I'll give you a list of business. Um, straight commission. They go, well, I, I don't want to do that. <laughs> you know, keep in perspective, you, you know, most people don't, in, in an organization, in an office, see salespeople lots of times doing the things they do worse, paperwork and things like that. What they don't see them doing is when they're out in the street, dealing with clients, that's where they all really, really excel. So, um, but I, I think one way or the other, um, it's not an easy job. So, you know, the, the notion that, well, I could make a lot of money if I'm good, uh, you're gonna find out pretty quickly whether you're good or not. So you, you need some inner drive, I think, to be really, really successful. Without a doubt. And it's almost the drivers are a, a who, what, why situation. Who are you doing it for? Mm -hmm. Are you doing it for your family? Are you doing it to educate your children? Are you doing it for your personal gratification? Are you doing it for money? Uh, are you looking for a promotion? You want to be the salesman of the year? There's things that, that drive salespeople to achieve their goals and surpass their goals. You know, often as a sales manager, it's understanding what those drivers are. Yeah. Have you ever met a good salesperson who isn't driven by something? Because I haven't. Yeah. Uh, and it's got to be strong enough to get you through the tough spots. I mean, I, I can remember in interviews, Rick making it perfectly clear to a, to a prospective salesperson how hard a business this is. Because 
you know, the business we were in, radio, you know, everybody thinks it's glamorous and it's fun and whatever, and it's got all that, but it's really hard. You're selling a bag of smoke, you know, and John, you, you know that from, you're selling sourcing and product development and stuff. It, you know, it's great. You, you've got uh, one item that you've got some kind of a mock-up and people are supposed to believe that this is going to be a home run, you know? It's, it's not easy. Um, when I was part of uh, the Sandler organization, David Sandler always would say, you need two lists, and you carry it in your planner, carry it in your pocket, carry it somewhere. One list is uh, the people that you're doing this for, whether it's your kids, your wife, your girlfriend, your mother, your father. Um, you, whoever or whatever are you doing this for? And the other list is who's waiting for you to fall on your ass? Who's going to be laughing like crazy when you screw up? Because for a lot of people that's a strong motivator. It was interesting. I was going to ask about the two lists. I've heard you mention it before. and This is probably a lead-in to what Rick's going to bring us to uh, in one of the future podcasts about you know, successful team building. And when you think that there's people within an organization that are very, very pleased when someone else fails, it 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 really, really begs, you know, you to analyze what sort of team do we have here? Do we have a team of just independent salespeople that are out totally for their own good? Or do people recognize free agents? Yeah. Yeah. There, there's actually a reason that we're all under the same roof and doing yeah, this yeah. for the, the, the good of all. Yeah, it's interesting. There is, uh, I'll try to make this quick. Um, there is a, a radio station in St. Louis that was a fantastic radio station. It probably had 40% of the market share, which is incredible. So every year they performed incredibly well. You know, uh, the biggest biller by far in the marketplace. But the team um, never got together. They hardly ever came into the office because if you called in an advertising agency and I happen to meet one of your clients and I could get that person who is basically your account to give me the order, you lost it. So they never wanted to share information wow. with each other. <laughs> they never wanted to be around each other. But when you <clears throat> looked at their performance, they were killing it every year. That was not a high performance team. Yeah. Just a bunch of free agents. Just a bunch of free I agents. I got my bat and my ball, and this is what I do, and I'm going to sit at the end of the dugout, and the hell yeah. <clears throat> right. So, at this point, kind of to wrap up, if we had a skeleton or a sketch of a plan going forward, and keeping in mind there's going to be a showcase workshop that will support this, because it's far more ingredients than what we're able to cover this morning. But what might the plan starting points be? And, you know, I'll go first. For me, um, nobody can motivate you. You have to motivate yourself. And if you can't do that, everything else suffers. Instead of a goal, it's a dream. Uh, and it doesn't have to be specific because I'm not going to make it anyway. Um, so I would say figure out what motivates you inside your spacesuit, your world, and focus on it. 
JT, what do you think? You know, you 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 came up with the most important, uh, I think, ingredient, and that's if you're in sales and and you don't know how to push your own buttons, then you need to get into another business. Uh, well said. You know, sales managers are there <clears throat> to direct, to review, revise, assist you to achieve your goals. If you don't have a high level of expectation for yourself, it's not the right business for you. Yeah. And again, we're talking about it all day. Make sure you have a plan. Guys, I don't have the sales experience that you do. <laughs> you know, I'm uh, kind of laying low on this podcast. I almost so. hate to close with this example, but to me, the motivational thing is really going to be driven by your self confidence. And if, it's really hard in sales if you don't have self confidence. And I'm not talking about fake. I mean, you really feel have to feel good about yourself and what you're doing. And in Moneyball, we may all remember the table with Brad Pitt around there talking about players, and and they're talking about one player, and the guy said, and this is not, it, it could be a soccer team, and it could be women, men, doesn't matter, but the one fella said, well, it's low self-esteem. And everybody looks at him like, how the hell do you know that? And he said, did you ever see his girlfriend? <laughs> so you just think of it, it could be, did you ever see the boyfriend? It's like, you've got to have self-confidence, whatever it takes, to play at your best. So with that being said, let's wrap it up. We'll be looking forward to seeing you next time. Don't forget, go to the website, leave us tips, questions. We'll be happy to answer either online or on the podcast. Uh, Hit subscribe, tell your friends. Find us on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. That being said, have a great fourth quarter and stay tuned for the summitclubpodcast.com. To learn more about the Summit Club Podcast, please find us online at www.summitclubpodcast.com. The Summit Club Podcast is recorded and produced by Inertia Marketing and Design, a full-service marketing, digital, and graphic communications agency. You can find them at www.inertia.marketing. Thanks for listening to the Summit Club Podcast, and we'll see you at the top.